Hi everyone, my name is Amanda Bulow and I'm the founder of Awesome Women in Construction, or AWIC, a not-for-profit association who provides a supporting community for women in the construction industry. I've started a podcast series called Awesome Women, taking a wide focus on women in all areas of the community, construction, automotive, mining, healthcare, farming, hospitality and many others. I have met some amazing and wonderful women in my time, and they all have a story to tell, one that we are ready to hear. The podcast guests have had and are having amazing careers. They are small business owners, many of them raising a family at the same time. Others I know are training for a variety of reasons, including representing our country in sport and climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. Some of you have represented your country in sport and are now writing books and carving out very successful careers. Some of our guests are employed full time and have a side hustle. Your journeys vary, but they are all inspirational and can show others what the world has to offer. You are an inspiration to me and I wanna share that with the AWIC members in our fabulous community. My intention was to have a casual chat, enabling women to tell their stories. This has definitely been achieved. I have enjoyed recording these podcasts. Now it's time for you to enjoy listening to them. Hi everybody, well it's time for another Awesome Women podcast and today we've got Tina Brangley joining us. Hi Tina. Hi. So Tina, I've got a few notes here. Tina is fascinated with the question of what makes people tick. She has a lengthy background in organisational development, facilitation, communications and change management. Nice combination. Yeah, it all kind of fits together somehow. <laughs> that's, that's it, that's it. So give us a little bit of background for those listening about your, you know, in a short version, how you come to have your own practice. Mm. Well, that, that's a very new instalment in what's an otherwise quite long story of my career. Uh, I spent about the best part of 10 years really focusing, honing in on communications, change management, learning and development, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I guess when I, I look back on it, it was all about people, you know, connecting with people in some way and and also translating was another um, concept that I realised was also in common. I, I, I was often in situations where I was trying to translate something um, for an audience or to, you know, create a bridge between different people in organisations. And I actually studied counselling. Uh, I did a grad cert a few years ago and gave up every Saturday of my life for two years studying online. But I just felt like something was missing. So I just left it at that point. That was around 2011. And then a couple of years ago, this interesting course um, called Holistic Counseling and Psychotherapy popped up and it was just the right time for me to dive back in. I've previously been looking at doing organisational behaviour and maybe becoming an org psych or something like that. But I saw this and I thought, this is what I've been missing because it works with the whole person and it, it just, it ticked a few boxes that, that a lot of other qualifications weren't. So long story short, had an incredible two years of studying and juggling that with working in um, 
or development in local government and decided to open up my practice in Ipswich in a beautiful building called the Old Flour Mill. Um, around about, I think, the 27th of February this year. <laughs> so, yeah, it, and then promptly closed the doors. Yeah, well, I guess as I... Um, Think, I think when I opened the doors, we were, we were probably all still thinking it would just blow over and it wasn't really going to touch us. And yeah, a couple of weeks later, that became abundantly clear that wasn't the case. And we closed the door, I closed the doors and um, moved very quickly into online sessions with clients. Yeah, nice. So do you maintain that sometimes we, you know, opportunities can knock and we're either not ready for them or we're not listening? You know, you kind of mentioned about the first time when you did some study, it just didn't feel right fit. And then all of a sudden, a few years later, you know, you got your ducks in a row or your fish in a barrel or whatever we want to call them, and it all just lined up. Do you think we've got to be, you know, maybe you weren't ready for it the first time around? I think absolutely. Um, one of the things with this particular course is, the one that I, I completed more recently is that we had to do a lot of inner work and working on ourselves. And, and I know there's a component of that with most, um, most therapeutic training, but this was really intense. And it certainly highlights the areas where perhaps you had a few rough edges that needed to be smoothed or a few things in your life that you needed to look at in order to then to be able to take that out into the world and not only offer a great service to clients, but to actually really be able to look after yourself in, in doing that. Yeah, right. and you know, we've got to be, you know, we've got to be ready. There's no point forcing mm. it, otherwise it's just not going to work. And then we'll throw the towel and then we'll go, oh, well that whole dream I had was a waste of time and then we never breathe it again. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that what you're saying is really resonating with me right now because you know, there's ups and downs, obviously, when you start a business at a time like this, you know, not everybody's wanting to run around and, well, firstly, you know, there's a lot, a lot of stuff going on for people, but they're not necessarily ready to talk to somebody or they're concerned about, um, you know, spending that money on themselves and on their self-care and every, I know I'm squirreling money away like a little, like a little squirrel. <laughs> so, so uh, and I'm noticing it just sort of feels like, there's times where I'm really in a holding pattern and I actually left my role uh, back in July and this is the first time ever, I'm calling it my long, unofficial long service leave that I never had uh, because it, it is a little bit slow and a little bit quiet and it's taking a long time to build. But there's a sense of rightness in that. You know, it actually does feel like it's all going to happen in the time frame that it's meant to happen and in the meantime, I can you know, do lots of other things and, you know, work on myself and, and just, yeah, keep, keep polishing the, polishing off the rough edges rather than getting really stressed about it and getting, and trying to force it. Yeah. And that seems to be, you know, one of the general things, you know, talking to people, you know, in and around eight-week construction, that sort of stuff that's allowed us to slow down. I wouldn't say stop, but just to slow down and, you know, have a look at, where things are going, you know, do we want to be doing this job that we really don't like for the next 20 years of our life, you know, or do we have that burning passion or desire to be doing something else? And, mm. you know, we may not jump at that chance, but we might at the same time be having to think about what do I need to do to be 
looking at that in six months or, or three years or whatever it is down the track, you know, when, you know, working out, you know, the things that we finished school here and then I can, mm-hmm. you know, go back and, and you know, if I always wanted to be maybe a, a painter and sell my art and have a, have a show and things like that, you know, I think it's really great that people are taking the opportunity at the moment to, to think beyond tomorrow. Absolutely. And I think these times are calling us to do that. And if we don't do it voluntarily, things will tend to happen that kind of push us into looking at those things. So the more I think we surrender to that impulse to go within and to really evaluate, you know, the good stuff, the bad stuff, what's gone well, what am I, where am I just phoning it in in my life? Where have I lost my passion? You know, and with no judgment, just to, to, to take stock. Uh, it's absolutely going to, it'll either, it'll light a fire, I think, that will burn for a long time to come. And as you say, it may not take off straight away, but even just having that little flickering candle of an idea at the moment is, you know, it's enough. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. So, Peter, let's have a chat about networking. So, obviously, um, within a week, we provide a networking environment that is safe environment for women in construction. How has networking um, played a part or a role in your career? Yeah, networking, I've always, I've actually always found this a little bit puzzling about myself because I am quite outgoing and quite extroverted, but I've always struggled a bit with the networking. And I think it was about finding a way of networking that felt authentic and appropriate for me. And over time, I've gotten better at it. Um, I forced myself back onto Facebook recently after a beautiful hiatus of a few years um, and just using it for my business. And I'm gradually starting through, through Facebook actually to connect with businesses in my local community that I never knew existed and they're amazing. Yeah. And one of those um, was actually a, um, a garden centre of all places that runs the most amazing workshops and has an incredible outdoor venue. And they were absolutely perfect for me to run a workshop that I actually did on, on Wednesday night. Now I never would have found them if it wasn't for networking. And the person who actually uh, runs the garden centre said she deliberately has created a space to bring the community together and to bring, connect people with what they need. And I think that's a really um, inspiring ethos and it's one that I'm now wanting to bring more fully into how I work. Yeah, and, it, and it's great, you know, and it's not just, um, you know, her that's doing it, you know, it's other businesses are, thinking outside of that square you know we've all had to go online for part of or all of that main lockdown that we've had and you know even on some level now a lot of businesses still aren't back you know full time in the office there's a lot of week on week off that type of thing and look I, I personally hope some of that doesn't change I think you know we do need to go to work for that community and that connection and you know just to know who Sally is but at the same time, you know, there are times in, you know, uh, that working from home can be a benefit, you know, whether you've got a sick child or whether you're working on that multi-million dollar tender and you just need your own zone without the phone ringing and someone tapping you on the shoulder or, or whatever it is. So I really do hope that we can keep some of those practices that we've now gotten used to. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, I know myself, I originally was um, commuting about 45 minutes to an hour each way. And all of a sudden I had that time to myself and I started doing yoga in the morning, just 15 minutes of yoga, sitting out in the backyard, having my cup of tea. And I was still able to get to the desk by 9am. And I found what that was actually able to do for me in terms of being able to be really present with people when we were online and not get that Zoom fry that we were all talking about. And also just to feel more in control of my life. And that all was a result of working from home and having the opportunity to use that time a little more productively than sitting in a car. Yeah, absolutely. And like you say, just being able to sit out on the deck and enjoy your coffee rather than making it in that takeaway cup and having it while we're caught in that traffic jam mm. and, you know, we're a little bit agitated and whatnot before we even get into the office. Yeah. You know, it's not a you good way to set up the day. No, you don't want your first meeting of the day to be battling indigestion. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's it. Now, Nina, tell us a little bit about um, your business. Uh, okay. Uh, so I guess I'm offering... Um, a few different services. Most of what I'm doing at the moment is one-on-one -on -one, um, holistic counselling and psychotherapy. And what that really means is we combine evidence-based up to the minute, you know, knowledge around um, trauma and neurobiology and all of that fantastic stuff that, that is um, coming through in the last, has been coming through in the last five to 10 years. But there's also a, um, a deeper, more spiritual aspect to it, which is actually inspired by some of the um, great spiritual traditions around the world. So it's, it's a way of, I think, remembering what we, you know, what we've learned over millennia and rather than just focusing on what's happened over the last, you know, 100 years or so in, in um, psychology and, and psychoanalysis. So bringing those two things together, and that works well with, obviously with individuals, but it also works well with um, groups and helping, helping groups, I guess, investigate their relationships to one another and also um, develop their awareness of themselves and how, how they interact with other, with other people and, and trying to build some of those relationships on a deeper level. Uh, yeah, and, and I guess then there's also the, I guess what we tr more traditionally call the organisational development side of my business, which is learning and development and leadership development and leadership coaching and that kind of thing. Yeah, nice, nice. So of all the spiritual traditions around the world, is there one that really, you know, resonates with yourself than another or is it a combination of, you know, mm. aspects of different... It's a good question. Um, I think probably what I'm learning is that there's a lot of similarities between a lot of, a lot of the traditions in some of the principles, but the, the modality that I work with the most is uh, called process-oriented psychology. And it was um, developed by a man, very incredibly intelligent man um, named Arnie Mindell. He started out as a quantum physicist and then somehow ended up in as a Jungian um, psychoanalyst. And he actually um, developed a lot of this work around Taoism and the idea of, of, of being in a process and flowing, flowing with the rhythms of nature. So I guess that's probably one of the main influences. And, and there's also some quite shamanistic type practices in there as well. 
So is it all about, you know, getting back to basics and, you know, finding that centre and then, you know, having a look from the inside out again? And like we talked about before, you know, what makes us happy? What makes us tick? What makes us, you know, get that spark or that spring in our step? Yeah, and also who are we? And, and what, what if there was nothing wrong with you? That's the, that's the big question because I, one of the things that I love about this approach is it, it doesn't take a deficit focus. It doesn't say, oh, you're, you know, you're abnormal or there's something wrong with you. It's just you, are, you present as you are. There might be some things that are going on in your life that you know, aren't working for you and maybe that's, that's worth looking at from that perspective. Yeah. But it's not, it's not because there's anything wrong with you and it's certainly not because you're not, a, you know, you're not performing to your optimal ability as a, um, in the corporate machine. I think that's, um, that's um, sadly the direction sometimes I think when people get sent off to a, a, a corporate coach, they're expecting them to churn out this you know, robot at the other end who stops being a human. And that's certainly, that's, you certainly wouldn't get that back from me. You might actually get someone who comes back a little bit feisty and a little bit, you know, charged up and kind of a bit clearer about what they want to be doing with their life. But they're certainly still going to be human. <laughs> Don't we want that in business? I mean, if we just wanted robots, we can get robots. I mean, mm. you want that round table, bordering discussion, you know, whether they're male or female, you know, young or old, Gen X, Gen Y, whatever it is. I just think that you know, that bigger melting pot of clarity and, you know, experience from those that have been in industry for 30 years, plus the new take on the industry for those that have only been in it for three months or three years, you know, there's, you know, each one is as relevant with their ideas and perceptions as the other. And I think sometimes we, we don't accept the other or that. Oh, and I really like the way that you've, you've described that as the other because you know process work is actually all about getting to know your other and not only just getting to know it but to befriend it so that when we can do that within ourselves and what, what we traditionally call the shadow which can also harbor a lot of amazing creativity and all, all sorts of incredible qualities that we may have disavowed for one reason or another when we connect with that when our, with our, in ourselves it's amazing how much easier it is then to be able to deal with it in other people yeah. and appreciate it and value it and yeah and actually become a little more comfortable with conflict but, but I do think I think we need to start getting a bit less confused in organizational development I think we we give a lot of lip service to bring your whole self to work but then it's a transactional relationship it's not it can't be anything more than that in some ways because at the end of the day, you know, that relationship could end for basically no reason by, you know, mutual agreement or otherwise. So we, I think, I think we're a little bit confused in terms of what we're actually trying to achieve. And, and I think a lot of the time the goals are competing. That's right. And, you know, on some case we are all just a number in inverted commas, you know, you're a corporate, you know, sometimes you might be there for, three months, three years, 30 years. But at the end of the day, when you walk out that door, nobody else is going to sit on your seat. Mm, yeah, which is quite a, it's almost an existential crisis on a, you know, on a small scale, isn't it? The fact that, you know, particularly when we make the mistake of identifying and ourselves and creating our identity around what we do rather than who we are, that can be absolutely huge for yeah. people. 
Yeah, and I think sometimes, you know, along our career, particularly, you know, when we've had 20 or 30 years in an industry or just in general, it's very easy to fall into that, you know, self-alignment with the role versus who you are. Yeah, and, and I think as well, being very much driven by the need to be the expert and to, you know, I think I'm, I think leaders put a lot of pressure on themselves by thinking they're the ones who have to have all the answers. And, you know, one of the, one of the massively wasted resources that we have is all of the people out there doing the work who actually know what needs to change. Yeah. From a change management perspective, it's often top down and there's a little bit of communications tacked on at the end and everybody kind of, you know, it's like dragging people through mud trying to get them to adopt these new practices when the question always needs to be asked, did, firstly, did this actually need to be done this way? And also, did we talk to the people who actually do the work every day, like really talk to them, not just kind of consult in inverted commas? Yeah, that's right. And it's the people on the ground that know what's broken. It's not the senior management or the board of directors generally. You know, they might know something's not right because they're not using KPIs or targets or profit margins or whatever it is. But they're not going to know which part of the machine is broken. Yeah. That's the yeah. one time we overlook that or, you know, um, you can have somebody come into the business and go, oh, so what's wrong? And everybody's afraid as well to say what's really wrong. Mm. Yeah, I think, I think for everybody in that scenario, whether they're in a senior position or, or you know, on the, at the grassroots level of the company, I think what's often missing is that sense of trust yeah. where you can actually be vulnerable enough to say what you think or to say, I don't know. Yeah, and I think too, some of that trust has been built over the last six months for sure, you know, with people working from home. You know, yes. If, if we all think about it, we're not at our desks for the eight hours that we're at work and you know a lot of people you know particularly if you've got families that are at home and when everybody when school kids are studying you know learning at home as well you know you got your day's work done but it might have been a bit before six o'clock or before the breakfast run and then you might have had you know an opportunity for four hours when everybody when you know the kids were learning their school stuff but then you know you might go for a walk around the block with the family and then jump back on the laptop at eight o'clock at night but the work still got done. Yeah, exactly. And, and I know that that's actually been, that has been proven um, over time in studies. I know, for example, I saw one from state government a few years ago where they set up some hubs. So it wasn't exactly working from home, but it was the next thing um, to working from home where people were much closer to home. I think there was one at the Sunshine Coast and maybe one um, further south. And the engagement was absolutely off the scale and performance was either the same or better. And even then people were still reluctant to implement it. And I think it's a little bit like me being pushed into having to offer online therapy. It was fantastic that it, that it happened because otherwise I probably never would have done it. And I, and I think corporate Australia is in the same boat. They, they might've had little stabs at it and they might've had little organizations here and there that might've done it, but really, it, they had to be forced into this massive social experiment to really see that it was going to work. Yeah, that's right. And there was no option, no, you know, option to, you know, not opt in for it. And, you know, I think it's, I from what I'm saying, it looks like it's a pretty good model to continue on with. Yeah. And, and I think that's actually a really important part of being in a modern organisation is you actually do need to 
grab those opportunities where things are a little bit shaken up and a bit more flexible uh, and see, well, what else can we, what else can we look at? What else is up for grabs? You know, what, what gold can we get out of the garbage of this situation? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. That's, it's very true. I do like how you put that. So, you know, I mean, we've talked about how, you know, we need to have a, you know, it's a great time at the moment to have a look at ourselves. And, you know, just because we don't fit that box or society's expectations or what we've been told we should, you know, believe in or be or whatnot as we grow up, you know, we're having that opportunity to have a look at ourselves and turn things around. And, you know, it's the perfect... Well, I think it's um, it's one of those things we didn't plan it. It's um, it's popped up. It's pushing us in that direction. So why not just let go and see where it takes you? Yeah, that's right. Go for flow, as they say. So mm. now, Tina, you've had um, you know the corporate world experience, and you've gone and you've you know you had your own business now for a few months. Anybody who's listening out there who might be in a similar situation, you know, they've been thinking about doing something, but they're not quite sure. What three pieces of advice would you give them? Wow, okay. Um, look, I, I think for me, it's, it's not, know that what, that what, that the answer to what, I think a lot of, the first question is to get clear, you know, about what you want to do. And I think a lot, a lot of us start with in a cloud of confusion. About, oh, well, do I really want to do that? Or it, and, and we, we second guess ourselves. And, and that can mean that there's, there could be something, you know, could be beliefs or, or something around how we were raised or some of the experiences that we've had in life that are kind of blocking that channel of information, that channel of communication that we have with ourselves. So definitely, uh, I think having another person that you can work with that, look, it might be a therapist, it might be a coach, it might just be a trusted advisor who's a really good listener and is good at reflecting things back to you. So that would be my first, my first um, piece of advice is don't do it alone. Don't, don't, you, you're not necessarily, and you can't think your way out of a feeling would be the second piece of advice. So don't, it's not all about your left brain. You actually need to be able to engage your intuition and your emotions and, um, and your body in this decision-making process, because, you know, they're all different, different forms of intelligence and they're all, equally useful. Yeah. Third piece of advice. Um, hmm. Give it a crack. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I mean, I'm still in a situation where I'm certainly not, um, you know, raking in the dough. It's a little scary. It's challenged my sense of competence and my sense of faith in myself and, and actually my sense of self-worth and value. But I would rather go to my grave having had a failed business than go there wondering, oh, well, I had this corporate job and it, it kept food on the table and I, I'm quite comfortable, but I'm absolutely miserable and I don't think I've felt anything properly in 20 years. You know, I, I would absolutely choose the route of failure and poverty <laughs> over the route of, of comfort and disconnection. Yeah, and I think it's that, you know, you stop asking yourself that what if. Or if you're asking yourself, then have a look at it, you know, maybe give yourself a timeline, you know, if you are in a position where you can, you know, give yourself six months or eight months, you know, obviously making sure the mortgage is paid and there's food on the table and all those things, mm. then give yourself a deadline. If it doesn't succeed in eight months, well then 
you've given it a go, you know. And many times you see people start a business with one idea and it doesn't quite go how you think it is. But from that idea and the doors that have opened and the opportunities, they have the second wave or the second potential gold nugget and it goes through the roof. So... Yeah, and I think the side gig is a really useful concept as well. I, I did this as a side gig for several months. I was very fortunate that my employer was willing to um, let me drop down to part-time. I was doing three days a week, and which gave me an opportunity to start putting the feelers out and start setting things up. So you don't absolutely, I, I think it's really important that we don't fall into the eat, pray, love, you know, pack all your bags and run off to Bali. Yeah. But maybe do it. And, you know, maybe have your eat, pray, love days, and then you have your have your corporate days. <laughs> and yeah, we still need to pack the the um, you know the backpack or the um, you know the safety brace or whatever it is, your parachute. You know, we still need to pack it. Yes, exactly. Our back, jump, but just you know, you want to be out of your comfort zone a little bit, but still jump. Yeah, and also remember that wherever you go, you'll be taking yourself with you. So it's always going to come back to working on yourself and being compassionate and and trusting yourself. You know, if you trust yourself, then other people will start to trust what you're offering. And cut ourselves some slack right now. Mm. Let us have yeah. Let us, you know, go out and be with friends and, you know, leave whoever, you know, whether it's mum on the shelf or the CEO on the shelf or whatever, just leave her at home for the day and go and have some fun. Yeah, there's some days where you're absolutely wasting your time if you, you're trying to force yourself to sit and work for a solid eight hours. I know I've had days where I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go and have a nap. Mm-hmm. And I've come back better, bigger and better the next day and actually being able to smash through the work. Yeah. And I think working, working as a therapist has been good in terms of um, cultivating a discipline around self-care because I know that I can't actually get away with being, you know, feeling a bit crap because then I can't be there for my clients. So it's almost if I'm not, if I'm not caring for myself or myself, then I'm doing it because I have clients who I owe it to, to do that. Yeah. Fantastic. I love it. Thank you very much for your time, Tina. Everybody listening, um, you know, it's been great to have you join us again today. So uh, Tina, we'll put all your details, your website and that sort of thing up um, on the post and we, Um, put this out there to the rest of the world but in the meantime everybody have a great afternoon thanks Tina thank you